Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. to just do it, to be married together and spend a lifetime forever. See, the moment we met, I knew it. That one day, we would be the talk of the town, just as we are now, repeating our vows every ten years out loud. And still they say these days, few had figured out how to make love work. But I would tell them my secret. It was you. My hand Take my whole life too Cause I can't help Falling in love with you So, Lara, what was that poem? 
so Love Letters was written uh, for my grandparents' 60th wedding anniversary in 2012. Mm. They had this tradition where they would say their wedding vows every 10 years. And as the family has grown bigger with grandchildren and even great-grandchildren now, we are their entourage. So <laughs> we all get dressed up. It's a traditional wedding. I mean, my grandma gets into a wedding dress. All the men get suited up and all the women, the, the aunties and the kids, we all get bridesmaids dresses. Mm-hmm. And what year did they start doing that? I think year 40. Um, They might have done something smaller in year 30, but they didn't quite have any grandkids yet. But I I remember, at least to my recollection, when I was about 10, they did their 40th year anniversary. And it was great. I, I mean, just having the memory of being with my family every 10 years celebrating this couple's nuptials. It's great, their story, when they were in the Philippines. So it's really cool. The way my grandparents met was in this small village at a fiesta. My grandmother, I call her Lola, she had a brother that brought an army buddy home. Uh, they served together in the scouts. I guess it was around World War II era. Her brother came home with my Lola, and that was the first time they met, the only time that they were able to be together. Mm-hmm. But after that, after this little fiesta that they met at, he had to go off and do army things in Manila, and she was a school teacher in a province. And so for six years, they would write letters back and forth. And I don't know if it's exaggerated, but the way it's told to me is that that was the one time that they saw each other. They wrote for six years. And when he came back in 1952... Uh, It was in January that he came back, and a few days later, basically, they just got married. (laughs) After six years of courting each other over handwritten letters. So did they know when they were writing the letters that they wanted to marry each other? I think so. I think that was always the intent. I assume so. Because that's a lot of emotional investment. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we didn't have internet back then, right? We didn't have social media. It was very different, obviously, it's kind of in this romanticized, the nostalgia of the past. Like, I think about that and how great that was because mm-hmm. you're pouring out your heart to this one person and you're just kind of already resigned. Well, maybe that's not the right word. It's such a stigma. <laughs> you accepted your fate. <laughs> you accepted your fate. No, but it, it was like I, I'm investing into this one person and yeah. um, we're writing to each other, you know, like kind of like a diary. I would really love to get hold of those letters, actually, and maybe... Yeah make into some sort of family book or some sort just for the family. Yeah, that would be really great. But yeah, the way it's told to me, and I don't know if they had seen each other in those six years, if he came home to visit or whatever, but great story. Now they're, <laughs> they've been married now for 60, in in uh, January, it'd be 65 years. Wow. Yeah, uh, my grandparents have a similar story of that they didn't date for too long, and then they had a really simple wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, they were married until my granny died, which was in 2009, mm-hmm. almost 60 years, had six kids together. Mm-hmm. And obviously that kind of story and the story of your grandparents always has led me to believe that the past was simpler for dating. 
in relationships. <laughs> oh, for sure. Because it seemed this seems to me that people just knew what they wanted to do and just, you know, bucked up and got serious and went off and had these amazing, long-lasting marriages. So because of that, I interviewed my granddaddy about dating and relationships, and he actually spent a lot of time correcting me, telling me that it was not simpler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then. I think that's also contextual as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for his time, it, it was pre-internet. It was pre-social media. It was pre-all of these XYZ ways that you could meet anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think about how my grandparents met at a fiesta of all places. Yeah. They weren't even from the same town. Who does that these days? No one. Yeah. But there is something to be said also about... You stick with one person, you commit to them early on, and you're just kind of in this courtship, which is another word that we don't use anymore, versus today where you have so many choices. Yeah. Well, let's listen to my interview with my granddaddy. Let's do it. Can you see me? Yeah. How are you? So far, so good. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Well, go right ahead. So this is for uh, my podcast, and it's about dating and relationships. And so I just wanted to know, what was it, what was dating like when you were young? Well, uh, you mean compared to nowadays, what I see nowadays compared to that? Yeah. I know you mentioned something about that it seemed a lot simpler (laughs) and uh, less stressful. Perhaps in my day, I don't. I don't really think that's the case. Things were done differently, but I don't know whether at the time we thought it was simple. <laughs> well, okay. It's, it's, it's always, uh, you know, you're unsure and uh, the fear of rejection and all of that. It never changes. Uh, part of what changed. I think is, uh, I guess you would call it etiquette, not rules that you go by, but etiquette that you learn from your parents. And nowadays, some people in the women's lib movement have changed how boys react to women. I'm not saying it's bad, it's just different. Mm -hmm. But in my time, the etiquette, you know, you didn't talk dirty in front of a girl. As far as asking for a date, the women weren't too bold about it. They understood the etiquette of dating, and you waited for a boy to ask you, and it was nice uh, if you could get them to go steady. You always had a date to go to the dance or the prom. Boys didn't take that going steady too much if they could avoid it. <laughs> Okay, so some things haven't changed. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's not changed. It's just uh, the uh, the etiquette has changed, really. Well, some of the terms have changed, Dad. Tell her about that story you told me about setting out, what that means. Well, there's uh, an old term. You know, we didn't use it as much as my parents used it. But, of course, you heard it from the old people all the time, and you understood what they were saying. But uh, used to when uh, someone was searching for a mate or a spouse or going courting was the term. They said they were sitting out. And uh, 
I know after my mother died, sometime after that, my father bought uh, a little red Mustang sports car, like you know. And my uncle asked me, says, uh, Mac, is your daddy sitting out? Was he out looking for a date? Looking for he says, I, I think he's sitting out. He says, he bought that little red sports car, and he's been wearing them two-toned shoes. <laughs> <laughs> he had a pair of old wingtips, white and brown, you know. Of course, he was, uh, uh, my father was uh, careful about his personal groom. He had a neatly trimmed mustache, and uh, his his clothes were always just right, you know, and he never needed a haircut. He was uh, particular. And, uh, yeah, he thought a lot of those shoes. But my uncle thought he was sitting out. And I, I heard old, old people talking about even a young girl when she got to age where she was uh, uh, kind of wearing makeup and high heels and stuff. Well, I, I believe that girl's sitting out. You know, looking for a mate, so to speak. But that was that was a term that you don't hear anymore. In fact, we were talking about it down at Arby's. I I drank coffee of a morning at Arby's with a bunch of old people uh, all over Lexington. You know, nine o'clock in the morning, there's a bunch of old geezers gather for coffee at different restaurants. It's, it's a social thing when you get as old as I am, and, and all these guys are in their 80s. A lot of the friends that you grew up with and work with are dead. And you, you gather to these coffee things. It's, it's a social. And uh, anyway, amongst the group down there, there was only one other guy who knew the term sitting out. But it was very common, you know, uh, my parents where I lived. Uh, using that term. How would you ask someone on a date? Well, it depends on the circumstances. Uh, you just ask them, uh, uh, you know, would you like to go to movie Saturday? You know, uh, something's playing and uh, yes or no, it's not a whole lot different from, I suppose, the way they do now. And we had, uh, in my time now, I don't know about my parents' time, I don't think they had as much, but we had gathering places for teenagers. When I was in high school, it was across the street was a, a gas station and a restaurant, and it was kind of a hangout for kids because it was close to the high school. That is the county high school. Now the city high school had their other place to hang out, which was Flynn's. And uh, boys from the county high school didn't go over there and ask girls for dates because they'd be trouble. And the, same as the city high kids didn't come over to our place, uh, but a lot of teenagers just interact, and you know, you weren't with any particular girl like it is is now. But if uh, one caught your eye and you asked her for a date, then your peers, uh, my other boys in high school, would tease you. Oh, you're going steady. You're getting a sweet on her, and of course. Uh, you resent, no, 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 it's just a date, you know, I, I don't care nothing about her, peer pressure. <laughs> what kinds of things would you do on dates? Mostly movies and drive-ins were just 
you know, coming in popular and uh, sometimes some pretty hot sessions. Uh, you see, the boy take off his shirt and put it in the window and roll the window up so people couldn't see in, you know, going back and forth to the concession stand to get drinks. <laughs> but you all also went to dances too, right? Yeah. So yeah. tell her about the Millersburg dance and the expectations when you go out on a date. Well, if a girl went with you on a date, you kind of expected her to, to dance with you. That didn't mean that she couldn't dance with somebody else, but they generally asked you, you know, is it all right? Some boy come over and asked her to dance, and but you brought her to the dance. She generally asked you if it was all right. I was going with a girl down at Millersburg. And not much at Millersburg, it's in the Bourbon County, but they had milita Millersburg Military Institute, a boarding school. And so they had a dance and she knew a lot of boys that had gone to school there because she lived in Miller. Her mother was a school teacher. And uh, anyway, we wasn't really going steady or I hadn't given her a class ring or none of that that Generally, that was one of the things a girl wanted was, you know, you give her her class ring or, or something, and she could show the other girls that, you know, he's my man. <laughs> but anyway, I had several dates with this girl, and uh, while we was at the dance, there was three or four couples of us, and she was going over to the table talking to some boys from the Millersburg Institute and dancing with them. And I looked over at one time and she's sitting in one of them's lap. I pondered, you know, how am I going to handle this situation? So I, I finally decided I wouldn't just say nothing, you know. I took her home and uh, just never did call her again, never went back. And uh, her sister married a buddy of mine and you know, she says, Nancy's always wondering why you never did call her or nothing. I said, well, I got interested in somebody else. If you didn't conform to the etiquette, you know, people wouldn't fool with you. If you took them to dance, that was your date, and they're supposed to act like your date. And the same with the boy, you know. If uh, he just ignored the girl and was going around dancing with other people and everything, she soon lost interest in him. How did you ask mom out on her first date? You know, I really don't remember. Mildred, when she graduated from high school, it was a real small high school, and she was a cheerleader. And one of her best friends was also a cheerleader. So they made it up. They wasn't going to go to college. Both her parents would have had trouble sending them to college anyway. So they were going to go to Jacksonville and get a job. Isla May and Leroy lived in Jacksonville, so they were going to board with them. And Mildred got a job at Prudential Insurance, typist clerk, and she didn't like it. And she got a job on the base, the Naval Air Station, Naval Base, where I was stationed, working as a cashier. They had a restaurant fountain there and uh, enlisted men's club. She worked part of the time at the enlisted men's club. So four of us guys had rented a house in Jacksonville, just a dwelling house, but we wanted to live off base. All of us were single. I'd seen Mildred a few times. I hadn't paid no attention to her, really. 
And uh, one of the guys over in the house with Lee Wendell, he asked her for a date. I don't know what the circumstances was. And they went somewhere. And they came by the house. Wendell wanted to get some moonshine. We kept, you know, buying moonshine by the gallon. And Wendell was from up north somewhere. But he'd take a big stick of peppermint and break it up and put it in a pint jar or something and put moonshine in there and call it peppermint slops. <laughs> and it was just broken up candy peppermint stick and soak in that moonshine. Well, anyway, he come by the house with Mildred going to pick up some more moonshine. Uh, they come in, sit down, and we all talk and everything. And I don't remember the circumstances that I asked her for a date after that, but that was the first time I'd paid attention to her. I'd seen her. So we had a date. It was on Thanksgiving. She wasn't going to go home for Thanksgiving for some reason. And, uh, of course, hell, I couldn't go home. It was too far. And I, I took her out to eat. And uh, it was a park. You know, a river runs through Jacksonville. And there's a park there, and we went down to the park in the afternoon. And, you know, then I took her home, but that was our first date. And I don't remember a hell of a lot about the other dates. We uh, started dating pretty regular. I had a old Ford convertible, and uh, it was nice down there in Florida. You know, it kept top down most of the time if it wasn't raining. And uh, there was a place called... DuPont Center, you know, we went by, it's uh, down on the road to Crescent Beach, and they'd have dances there on, I guess, Saturday night uh, on weekends, and we'd go to those dances once in a while, and go to the beach at night, in my old convertible, and we'd hear a song on the radio and just stop, get out and dance in front of the headlights, <laughs> had a good time. That's so cute. <laughs> that is so cute. I mean, I think we really have lost something in that my generation doesn't really dance. You know, we don't really go to dances. Yeah, I never was a real good dancer. Uh, a good dancer is, uh, well, you have to be somewhat athletic, you know, well-coordinated in your timing and stuff. I tried. Nobody complained too much with my dancing, but I knew that I wasn't a real good dancer. After we were married and living in Butler, my children were small, and uh, I didn't make much money. But <clears throat> at Cincinnati, at the old amusement park, Coney Island, they called it, they had a big open-air dance pavilion with the band shell. And they would get the big bands, you know, uh, Tommy Dorsey and Harry James and those big old swing bands would play, <clears throat> book them for a week. And one night during the week, I don't remember whether it was Tuesday or Thursday or something, was ladies' night and the women got in free. And it cost me like three or four dollars to get in. But once a month and we get paid get a neighbor girl to babysit the kids and oh I, I don't know I guess it was 
maybe 20 miles to the, you had to take a ferry over to Coney Island to the dance. And uh, we'd buy a pint of gin or something and uh, go over there and, you know, like for 10 bucks, have a heck of a night. She'd get in free. It didn't cost me much. And we'd take her drinks and, you know, $3 worth of gas in the car and dance everything they played. If it was a rumba or whatever, we'd dance everything they played and enjoyed it. That's awesome. So why do you think, though, that, you know, you said that guys were still resistant to going steady, but why do you think people still got married earlier than now? Well, they wanted to be able to support a wife. I was a teenager right at the end of World War II and right after, and all the veterans were coming back. A lot of them single, and well, most of them single, I guess. And they were a little more mature and experienced, and uh, they wanted to date girls. So competition for pretty girls from returning veterans who were maybe in their early 20s. So you're saying that the men of my generation need a major war to deal with? (laughs) No, no. no. (laughs) Is that the problem? (laughs) Girls mature quicker than boys. You know, I was just barely 17 when I graduated from high school. I turned 17 in April and graduated in May. And I have to say, I was had driver's license. Uh, I had an old pickup truck, although it wasn't fit to take on a date, but I could get my parents' car. 17 or 18, most of the girls in my class was 18. And uh, they just mature. That's that's the reason most people that marry, the man's older than the woman. Boys don't mature until older. I mean, girls date. Sorry to get married 18, 19 years old, but a lot of boys are not mature enough. They're not going to ask nobody to marry them or, you know, one of one of the things, and he wanted to be able. If he was going to get married, you won't be able to support her. Even in my times, the jobs for girls was pretty limited. Most of them wound up being typists or clerks or secretaries and school teachers and that kind of stuff. Now it's it's a given when you get married, the wife's going to work too most of the time. It wasn't that way. But it seems like most of the guys wanted to get married. Like, more guys wanted to get married than now. No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I mean, you're talking about the etiquette mm-hmm. of dating in my time as opposed to modern times just hooking up. And part of that is due to the change in attitudes about women. I mean, I don't know how you are on women's lib, but some of them people is pretty extreme and it's caused, you know, no respect for the girls to some degree. And wouldn't you say back in those times, you know, the parents and the family had a lot to do with people? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Talk about that. You had pressure from your parents, you know, don't embarrass me, but being crude or vulgar around a girl because it'll get back to them and uh, 
they they want the reputation of racing their kids right, you know, and it was unheard of to talk filthy around a girl. I mean, you're, uh, I ain't saying that occasionally a cuss word would slip out, but some of the filthy talk now, you know, uh, that you say right in front of a girl, that's unheard of in my time. You didn't want to embarrass yourself or particularly your parents where you didn't have no raisin, as they say. And, and parents would invite you, they would kind of oversee what was going on, right? They'd invite you to Sunday dinners. and Yeah, yeah. They would, they would help with the hook, the matching up. This, uh, this same girl down Millersburg, Kenny Logston had married a girl from Millersburg. She was a, a dental assistant or something, dental hygiene. But anyway, she took it on herself to fix up all of Kenny's buddies with the date, the ones that wasn't married, these girls around Millersburg. And of course, I was going with Nancy. I told you about her. He had Elmer Day, a girl, and uh, her daddy run the bank. Now, Millersburg was a small place, and only had one bank. But they were a little bit old-fashioned and uh, kind of proper people, you know. The banker in town is somebody to be looked up to. Well, they they wanted Elmer to court her and uh, invite him to Sunday dinner all the time. You eat Sunday dinner and sit in the parlor, and they leave you alone. They'd go to another room in the house, but they expected you there to spend Sunday afternoon in the parlor courting your girl. And of course, Elmer sat there and go to sleep. <laughs> she she complained to Kenny Lawson's wife, you know, that her parents didn't know what to think about Elmer. He'd come over and eat dinner and sleep. <laughs> We've been out, you know, generally the night before, me and him on Saturday night come in three or four o'clock in the morning and he had a date to go eat dinner with her. Oh my gosh, poor girl. In the time before you were going steady, you would generally go and date a lot of different people, right? Meet a lot of people. You would go on a lot of dates with a lot of different people before deciding to go steady? Not necessarily. Uh, some of them was going steady in high school and later got married and uh, it may have been the only boy she ever went with, you know. But generally speaking, boys didn't want to go steady till they matured some. Girls are a puzzle to young boys. They don't understand them. So what made you want to get married? I don't really know. Uh, you know, I'd been dating around and uh, I just decided that uh, she was the one I wanted to date with, and uh, she had been, uh, I guess, engaged, probably, to a boy that was in the Army, and she had to uh, write him a Dear John and settle that. We, uh, we talked about getting married. I told her at the time that uh, I thought I'd stay in the Navy. I, I liked the Navy pretty well. That suited her all right. Be a Navy wife, me stay in the Navy, but... Of course, after we got married and had Debbie, uh, my time was up in the Navy and I decided to get out. There wasn't no place to raise a family. It's funny because at first I was going to ask you what was dating like when you were my age, and then I realized when you were my age, you already had five kids. That's right. 
I, I either heard or read the other day, uh, sometime back, this guy says, uh, on most things there's an escape clause that you can get out of a bad marriage, you can get out of a bad job, you can change address or change cities, but children are forever. There's no escape clause there. It changes everything uh, once you have a child. The other young married couples that you've been going around with to parties and going out to eat and everything, hell, you can't do that no more. You, you've got responsibility to your your baby and uh, changes a lot and a lot more responsibility when you've got five or six of them. What advice would you give young people today? Well, you know, I'm not around a lot of young people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, even my kids are middle-aged. <laughs> well, I'm saying that, you know, people who want to have a long marriage like you did, what advice would you give them? Uh, well, you still got people who are committed and have long marriages uh, today. Everybody didn't stay married as long as I did. Me and Mildred, you know, when we were young, of course, in my parents' day, uh, divorce was frowned on quite a bit. You know, if you was a divorced person, you was pretty much a failure. But in my my generation on board, uh, divorce is pretty common. It's way a lot. Two sides to everything. You know, you just kind of take it that away. But you have to work at it. You can't, I mean, I suppose you can, but it's not a good idea to go into it. Well, I'll, I'll try this marriage business. If it don't suit me, I can always get a divorce. But society has uh, worked, you know, in the marriage vows and all that for many, many generations and years to get people to make a commitment and work through it when they uh, have some problems or are disappointed. I don't think society does that anymore. And it's hard on the children. The, the family is, uh, you know, the basis for raising children. Children of divorced parents have a hard time. Now, I may be stepping on toes, but I'm just telling you the truth. No, it's good. So, uh, you, you mentioned that, like you, like, you went with mom to the farm. Like, so, what are some other things that you would do for to, to go on a date when you didn't have much money? Well, of course, uh, in Florida, you could always go to the beach. But the drive-ins, not only drive-in movies were popular, but drive-in restaurants were becoming popular. It didn't cost much to go to drive-in to get a hamburger and a shake like that. But mostly uh, the movies and going somewhere to, to dance. Dancing was... Quite the thing to do, Dayton, when I was young. Were people still, did they, um, before getting married, did they still have, you know, like doubts and fears? Because living together was unheard of, right? So you could well, get married without really it knowing. It wasn't unheard of, but it was certainly frowned on. To, you know, nowadays it isn't frowned on, to, uh, I don't think. There wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of it when I when I was young. If it was, it was 
not teenagers, it was older people, sometimes uh, divorced or their spouse died or something, and they'd start living together. Uh, but it was uh, very uncommon, you know, for teenagers uh, to live together before they married. And if the older people, if they did it, they kept it secret. They didn't want nobody to know it. It's kind of a stigma. But so then, but since people got married at a young age, were were they still scared? And or you know, did they have doubts about getting married, or were they worried? Well, sure, sure. Some of them didn't even want to get married, but they had experimented, and the girl was pregnant, and they they had to accept responsibility and get married. Now, now that hasn't changed. But you didn't feel like you needed to know someone to, like you you could still get married to someone without really knowing them that well how how did you feel like you got to know someone well enough to get married to them well i don't know i had a cousin write me uh i was in the navy and he was in the army but he wrote me a little while after i got married and he'd been going with some girl he says how you know when you're in love enough to marry. Well, I pondered that. I, I didn't know how to answer it other than just tell him, but, well, you know it. I, I can't tell you how you know it, but you you know it. And uh, if you ain't got to that point, then you ain't ready. So you just know. Well, that's, that's the best way I could answer it. Yeah. Are there any other differences that you observe uh, between, like, the etiquette that you said you all adhered to and the differences in in today? Well, it just were your parents taught you as you were growing up, if you were a boy, to respect the girl. And uh, today's song lyrics and television and movies, and they go out of their way not to respect them. And I, I think that's... Of course, I'm old-fashioned, but I think that's a mistake. Women want equal pay, and they claim they want equal treatment, and uh, everything's the same. Well, things ain't the same. Women look at things differently than men do. Women, are marriage to them is a home and stability, and uh, uh, you go to work, you come home at 5 o'clock, and supper's going to be ready, and all this, and maybe the man, uh, he don't look at it that way, but you're, you're just different. Not only physically, but you, you, your whole attitude is different. And I think some of the extreme women lives have contributed to the disrespect of women by men. And most of them are ugly as hell and couldn't get a man anyway. The most extreme ones. But I don't care what you say, people are attracted to other people and they don't know why, and I can't tell you why, but people when they're attracted to each other, they're gonna they're gonna ask for dates or uh, after you date a few times, it's not maybe jealousy's not the word, but you don't want the competition of her dating these other guys and uh, 
So going steady was a commitment, and I don't mean you was going to get married, but at least you wasn't dating anybody else, and it was pretty good for the girl because girls just can't go places by themselves, they, or at least they didn't then. They thought they had to have a date to go different places. If you went steady, then you always had somebody to, to go with you to take you. But I, I don't understand these modern people, uh, you know, that every woman's a bitch and uh, no respect for them at all. I just don't understand that. As my mother say, they really ain't had no raisin. But times change, and it's not always for the worse. It's not always for the better. But times change. You look at statistics, and more guys 27, 28-year-old are still living at home. They may live in the parents' basement. But they ain't made no commitment for nothing. And if they're comfortable, then uh, they'd be uncomfortable making a commitment to, to getting married and uh, find a place to live and all the things that go with that. As society has changed and uh, all this free love, uh, they don't see any real need to get married. Very true. Well, I think that's all my questions, unless you have something else you want to talk about. No, I've told you all I know and more, too. Well, thank you so much for letting me talk to you. Okay, so... I also want to give a little bit of a disclaimer that he is in his 80s, so we know that some of his comments are not the most politically correct. <laughs> but how cute is your grandfather? Oh my gosh, he's so cute. I mean, just his southern drawl and like his country <laughs> He's boy. definitely a Kentuckian. Oh man. Yeah. So good. Um, but I do think that even though it's not politically correct what he says uh there is a lot of truth to what he talks about in terms of divorce and in terms of feminism kind of making everybody confused mm -hmm. and although i do believe that some feminists are pretty <laughs> <laughs> oh he's so funny he's yeah so i think funny. he's just hilarious um but i and, you know, he talks about ghosting yeah, somebody. I mean, he didn't use that term, but right, it's but kind of the same idea. It's the same idea. And, and that that really, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I had this idea that the past was just so ideal and romantic. Um, <laughs> but that they did have some of the same problems we have now. It's just that ghosting was different. It was an in-person kind of ghosting where he had been dating this girl and saw that she was sitting in some other guy's lap on a date with him. And so he just never called her back back yeah that's awful i mean you can you can just see that scenario happening today just in a bar right, with your friends and like oh there's that person that i thought i was going out with and they're with this other person so same same yeah. issues and then never hearing again for the rest of your life but it's yeah. also different when you're from a small town versus L.A. or New York. Or, yeah. You know, and you're just kind of getting lost into the crowds. And, and that's, yeah, that's the thing, because he ended up, his friend married that girl's sister. They weren't from the same town, mm -hmm. but that just happened that way. And so she was, and I was like, oh, so-and-so always wondered about you, whatever. But whereas now most of our communication is digital, and it's so easy to forget Mm -mm. that the, uh, the person on the other end of that is an actual living human being 
who has feelings. Yeah. We need to do an entire episode dedicated to online dating and social yeah. media, right? Yeah. Audiences to come. Yeah. But then he talked about, he actually used the word courting. Yeah. Which, of course, is not something we don't, when I mean, we talk about now. I don't know how many Joshua Harris <laughs> fans or wanted or used to be fans out there but i think there's been enough blowback from the courting mm -hmm. movement that it's not so much it's uh, not a thing anymore it's such a stigma behind it i mean i'd like to think in a lot of ways derek and i are courting <laughs> but what does that even really mean i mean when you talk about dating courting to us is just what he talked about as far as dating is back then you know back then it was just that's what you called it you know yeah. you're you're um, intended on one person and you are intentionally and he talked about going steady yeah. for that too and going, going steady. steady how cute <laughs> ah. but it was interesting how he said that the guys really didn't want to go steady and there was peer pressure of course though you, we have to remember that when I asked my granddad about dating his mind automatically goes to high school because that's when most people of his generation mm -hmm. dated and then they got married in their early 20s it's not like he's having to think about people in their well into their 30s and 40s that mm -hmm. are still doing that you know yeah it's a very different again you know harping back to our first episode it's like different when you're talking about dating as a teenager versus even early 20s versus now yeah like for us in our 30s or you know we definitely know singles that are well into their late 30s or even 40s and even 50s you know and it's it's just kind of across the board now you there's such a you know expansive demographics that are not just talking to singles that are fresh out of high school or college anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely a cultural shift, societal change, different paradigm that we're working with than in the 40s and mm -hmm. 50s of our grandparents' mm -hmm. generation. But it is really interesting that there are several things in my grandparents' story that for me would be a red flag, which I would say, um, no. <laughs> like what? But well, for example, like, I think it's really funny that he had never really noticed her until she came to his house on a date with his housemate in order to get some moonshine. <laughs> that was the first of course, time, that's how you're... That was the first time he really ever noticed her, which I think is really funny. But the, the red flag is that at some point, I don't know if it was before they went on their first date. Well, their first date was on Thanksgiving, which is, for me, like, that would be an incredibly awkward day to... Because that's such a family day, you know? Yeah. It makes you wonder, too, of, like, just how different that even was. Yeah. You know, like, where you're maybe inviting the neighborhood or friends versus today. It's just kind of a... Especially us living in L.A., it's kind of the family thing. Mm -hmm. like you go or home Friendsgiving. Or Friendsgiving. Yeah. But going um, on a date to a restaurant on things on Thanksgiving Day is <laughs> I would be like, whoa, like what is that? What, yeah, what's going on? Or <laughs> flattering. That could be flattering. Could, like yeah, oh, I'll spend it, this it could holiday be sweet and flattering. With you. I guess since they had already met in person. I guess, I guess that's the difference. Is when I mostly refer to dating, I mostly refer to online stuff, even though I've given it up basically. So, <laughs> really, when you say dating, you you automatically my mind go goes to, to online dating. Yeah, because that's how hmm. I've gotten most of my dates. I see. Okay. In my life. Cool. Um, I think I can actually count like on my hand the times that a guy in real life in person. IRL. <laughs> yeah, has asked me out. But anyway, um, there is that. But there's also the fact that I don't know if it was before they went on their first date or not. But at some point, my granny was engaged to someone else. Scandal. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. And the story that I've heard is that 
he went off to Korea. He was in the army, I think. And mm-hmm. she was like driving his car. And my granddaddy asked her to marry him. And so she had to like drop the car off in the front lawn of his parents with like a note that said, sorry. <laughs> but but I actually did talk to her at one point about it. Because I was like, I asked her just about granddaddy and everything one time. And she said, yeah, I was, I was dating this guy who was a Mormon. And my family was just so Catholic that I just thought that it would just not work. Hmm. And so that was also a factor, but they hadn't broken up before he went off. I mean, I don't know. Like, again, That's that would be a red flag, you know? Yeah. Well, did he, did she ever go back to that as far as, yeah, now that I think about it, it would have been different, if not bad, to be in, in a marriage union with somebody that was basically of a completely other faith than me. Yeah, ever... she said she. Yeah, it just wouldn't. Have, she just knew it wouldn't okay. work out. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, even that... though my granddaddy wasn't Catholic when they got married, and he, um, he became Catholic like twenty years after they were. Oh, that's sweet. Married. Yeah, and now he's he goes, uh, but like he, you know, he goes to church every week and everything. But yeah, so that's another red flag that I would be like, nope, <laughs> about their relationship. But I loved, I loved them both, and they had a great, uh, a really great relationship, and um, they were definitely, like, the bedrock for our family. But it's also so funny that when I ask him, what was it about her that made you want to marry her? Oh, that part of the interview was so cute. He just doesn't like, have any real reason. No, but his answer was just adorable. Just like, oh, <laughs> I just saw her, and I mean, she was the one that I wanted to go with. I was like, oh. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's a man of commitment. Just yeah. like, I see you. I want you. I'm going to make it work. Yeah. You know? And that was kind of his advice, too, for us young people. Right. You know? Just... Well, work at it, yeah. which, of course, there's more to that, we we know, but in, it's so funny in his mind, because it was so, I won't say easy, but it was it was simpler, I guess, and I say that in not a condescending way He would way tell either. you no. He would say no, it wasn't simpler. Yeah. But I don't think he also has any idea what we're dealing with. <laughs> Today? And like, the psychological <laughs> implications mm. of all of these choices, and mm-hmm. we have, I think, more financial worries. We have a lot more debt when we graduate from college, mm-hmm. and not saying the economy was great, uh, you know, when he was growing up, because he grew up in the Depression, so he, you know, obviously <laughs> oh, yeah. knows what that's like. I think just as a society, when we graduate from college and we have this ton of debt, we're trying to find ourselves and our way in the world, and it's harder there's less set jobs that we just know we're going to go in for life I do think that has made it more complicated in terms of wanting to settle down yeah you know I love how you phrase today there's more opportunities for an extended adolescence yeah I just feel like that is a really great way to put it because when we do come out of college or whatnot coming into our own we're coming into our own with a lot of debt or a lot of ways that we don't know how to handle being a grown-up in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And, I'm, you know, I'm part of this generation. I speak for our generation in a sense. That's not everybody, but just being, I think, even particularly L.A., yeah. where we're out here trying to do the thing, trying to do the dream, and we don't necessarily have a steady line of work that we can go into and know that. Or like, even just a set path. Or a set path, yeah. even, yeah. Which, of course, plays into our income. And... We do have the sense of, I mean, between you and I, you know we can talk about many guys we've met that are just kind of <laughs> not grown up yet. But to be fair, yeah. 
you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like not ready right. so yeah. many times because I, you know, I'm, I'm jumping from gig to gig and I think about how am I going to raise a family in the city? You yeah. know, like you can't do it on one income. I mean, plenty of families that I know make it work, but in real, realistically, that would be just such I a struggle. I think you could, but it, you also have to recognize the sacrifice and the hardship. And when you talk about sacrifice in the city of dreaming like this, city of dreamers, it's like, then that is another conversation to have. Like, mm. when it push comes to shove, who's going to give up the dream? And, if, yeah. and I think we've talked about this before. Like, the dream can change. The mm-hmm. dream can be raising my family and having my kids in the home, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah, it, again, going back to just, there's just so many choices, so many opportunities, just so much opportunity for unrest, yeah. really, when it comes down yeah, to I it. Yeah, worry. And so how can you think about settling down? How can you think about being a grown-up in the context of family and a stable home in a stable relationship? Yeah. When Man. we feel so unstable just as individuals, as yeah. singles. My granddaddy, like, he didn't tell this story. He's told me the story before where... My mom, there was something wrong when she was born that, that they just didn't know. She would just cry and cry all the time. Mm. And my granny had my granny had a lot of experience with uh, kids because her sister had kids. It turned out that my mom was like lactose intolerant and needed a special formula. But the mm-hmm. only way they found that out was because she was just crying and crying and crying all the time. But anyway, at one point, they had to move to a new city. They had to find an apartment that same day. They didn't have an apartment already set up in the city so that they could heat up the formula for my mom to drink. So here they are, like, 21 years old, rolling into a new unfamiliar city with all of their possessions in their car and a crying baby being like, we need to find an apartment right now. (laughs) And I can't imagine Mm -mm. that level of responsibility. But my granddaddy just talks about it like, yeah, this is just our life. Yeah. Today, I feel like it's more of a privilege for us to be able to say, I need to get all my ducks in a row in a sense, right? Versus back then, a lot of things were different, obviously, socially about, you know, the stigmas around birth control or whatever. But people just had babies and they just... Figured it, figure it, it out, you know, and yeah. I feel yeah. like we're too in our heads these days yeah. about, well, you know, I'm not financially set yet. And like, I'm not set in my career yet. My career is going to come yeah. first. And I wonder how that. much of that is us actually trying to control God. Like if that's the root of it. I think so. I think we have this sense that I need to be in control or things are just not going to go well, which of course we know is the opposite. You yeah. know, we try to control things and things inevitably get messed yeah. up. Right. But yeah, it's this—it's the saying that I love using in production, where it's I have all the responsibility in the world, but no control. I feel mm-hmm. like that's just like life in general. Yeah, you know, we need to be wise. We need to make good choices, and we need to learn from people that have gone before us. Um, anywhere from our grandparents' era to even now, our peers. Like, there's so many of my friends that are now, you know, in their you know, five years, 10 years of marriage, and they have their one to three kids and, (laughs) and my age. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved hearing your granddad. And I loved hearing about, you know, his notion of men being respectful. Yeah. And there was this time where 
chivalry was still a thing. And I'm not saying that it's not a thing now. I think it's just changed. But it's funny, though. He yeah. says, at, at the same time, he says, oh, you used to, you didn't talk body in front of a woman. And, mm. you know, you didn't say curse words with her. But in our interview, I had to bleep him out <laughs> several times. <laughs> well, you weren't a so, girl he was trying to date. You're I guess. <laughs> <laughs> do as I say, not what I do. Granddaddy, uh, do you not recognize that I am also a woman? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're my grandbaby. <laughs> um, so about the Bible. Yes, seriously. I mean, we talk about our grandparents and how much we love their stories, but we do recognize that it's not everybody's grandparents. It's not everybody's story. There are 7 billion people in the world and several generations yeah, up, apart from us and all the other stories of the world, you know, you know, love stories come in all shapes and sizes and uh, forms, and it's but, just great to learn. Yeah, there there are things that I think that we can glean from their stories, mm-hmm. even if we understand that we can't apply it to everybody in the entire history of time, or even everybody in the present. Sure, but there's something to be said about the wisdom that comes from that, because your grandparents were together until your grandma's death mm-hmm. for six decades, at, almost. You know, almost. Yeah. And then my grandparents, like I said, will be will have been married 65 years, which I can't even like comprehend of how long that is being with so, one person. It was so funny, because when I met your grandmother, and mm-hmm. she was like, do that. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a nice thought, but do you know how old I am? <laughs> Like, maybe if I live to be a hundred. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Lola. We'll, we'll all find mates. I'll, I'll work on that. For 60 years, and sure, easy. You know, oh, here we are, approaching our midlife crisis. No, no, no. We're, not, we're not that old. But, but still, it's like, for me to be married to someone for 65 years, it's... I'm going to have to live a long time. <laughs> well, but by then, by then, maybe, maybe technology will catch up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to live that long. But anyway, anyway, to our to our Bible verse. Yeah, so we know that we can learn from our elders because Proverbs 16.31 tells us that gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by a life that is just. Yes. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, which we won't do now, but just in the sense of other translations say righteous life. Mm-hmm. But... A life that's lived justly, righteously. I think you know. Obviously, it is it that implies, implying that you would be wisdom. you would have been killed before old age if you weren't living a righteous life. Well, I think it also talks about like today. My pastor was going over different proverbs saying, but it's also a life that's led in sobriety, mm. not just out of well. The next drunkardness to but, that is the patient are better than warriors, and those who rule their temper better than the conqueror yeah, of a city. That was one of the verses he went over. He mm. just picked um, a few verses, and they say that you're not supposed to take things out of context. But I feel like Proverbs is the book to do that. <laughs> yeah. You just pick up different <laughs> sayings, and, right? Uh, but yeah, he used that was one of them. And that's a good reminder yeah. for patience. Yeah, but talk about patience 65 years with one person that's true you know in my grandparents case about the patience of six years without your mm-hmm. intended you know yeah. and uh, i would love to do an episode of long distance relationships in yeah. the modern age so anyone out there if you have experience or know of anyone please email us yeah <laughs> but it's lovely it's lovely just to see 
the gray hair is the crown of glory, mm-hmm. just their wisdom, passing down their experience. But with that, I'd like to talk about our real-life dating moment in 2016, mm-hmm. far from the 1940s and 50s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have a story with us, for us? Well, Mary this isn't really a dating moment, but uh, just more of an observation that I went to a swing dance a little while ago, and I realized how I think we've lost something in our society, that we don't have those types of social dances in order to meet people, because you can really find out a lot about a person, and it's generally not creepy, or if it is creepy, you only have to dance with them for one dance, and, you know, then you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can also, A, find out a lot about a person just from the way they dance, but also, you know, go over with them to the punch bowl or whatever. Can you say find out about them by the way they dance? Yeah. What if you get paired with somebody unfortunately not coordinated? (laughs) Does that say something about them? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It it just says something. It may be good or it may be bad. And, you you know, I'm not saying that you could, you should, like, neglect (laughs) <laughs> going on a date with someone because of the way they dance. So I'm just saying it's another way to get to know someone. Yeah, sure. No, I was, I was. But for me, fun. it was, um, it was really, really amazing because it made me feel like such a girl. Oh, what I do you was, mean by that though? Just like standing there and the guys would come up to me and ask me to dance and I would say yes. And then we would dance and it was so nice, you know, and it it, is. Uh, versus the real world where it's like, should I text him? Should I not? Oh, what's going on? It's I a little bit know. more straightforward you know? and yeah. more immediate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? That's interesting. No, I, I miss the days of um, going to a dance Went back in my middle school and high school <laughs> days. That was always fun. My real life dating moment, of course, is a, another story about Derek. Yeah, well, my, my grandparents did their whole thing about like, writing each other love letters and I always thought that that was such a sweet part of their story and like really who does that these days and I feel really grateful that God has blessed me with a guy is into that Mm -hmm. from the very beginning of our relationship we wrote to each other handwritten notes and handwritten letters and it's super cheesy in the best way Mm -hmm. and I really do cherish that about him so yeah handwritten notes men and women out there it does something are good (laughs) <laughs> They're good. Yeah, stay away from uh, the texting and the <laughs> Easier said than media. done. Come on. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm so glad I don't have to do that. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been Episode 7 of Fishers of Men, a podcast about relationships in your walk with Jesus. Today you heard about our grandparents' stories. You can find more of Laura's poetry on laurasumera.com. The track of Love Letters featured Elvis's Can't Help Falling in Love, covered by our friend Sean Giddings. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or on our website at www.fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men and on Twitter as at LA Gone Fishing. Please rate and make comments on iTunes so that they would recognize that we are new and noteworthy. We'd also love to hear about your real-life dating moments. Feel free to send us a two-minute story about your experience. I'm Laura Samara. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming. This podcast was made possible by the support of Project Launch in Burbank, California. 
project launch bridges the gap between their clients and their customers through face-to-face direct sales and consulting, go to www.projectlaunchinc.com for more information.